attention shoppers, there is a sale on cleaning products in aisle 6. Sale on cleaning products, aisle 6. Thank you. This is the retail experience I remember as a kid. Big box doors that were plain, you know, that soft rock music coming out of a bad speaker. Merchandise just stacked on endless shelves. As the retail experience looks to the future, design will play a big part in that. The future of retail is exciting, it's personal, and dare I say, enjoyable. Hey, I'm Jordan Bell, and this is First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design, meant to help budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. Today, we're going shopping, but not in a way that you've shopped before. I refer to it as a little bit art, a little bit media, and a little bit retail. So if you took those three things together and you smash them (laughs) into one. That's how Rachel Friedman, CEO of the design firm Tenfold, describes Tenspace, their storefront for experimenting with retail experiences that immerse the customer in a story and culture of the brand. I'm sure you've never thought of going to a store opening as going to a show, but that's exactly what Tenspace does. It has eight week long shows rotating in new brands with different new experiences and stories to tell. Today, you'll learn about that in the larger forces at play that are driving the need for more intentional design in retail. And for that kind of a journey, we need a good pilot, which is why I'm going to hand things off to Dr. Jen Schleter, Dean of Graduate Studies, who is launching a Master of Professional Studies in Retail Design degree right here at CCAD. Dr. Schleter, and to an extent this degree, will provide a bridge from the theory of what retailers should be doing to the practice of how they can actually do it. Let's take a listen. Retail design isn't a new field, not by a long shot. I suppose we all instinctively know that retail spaces, whether they are in a mall or a boutique or a gallery or a pop-up or a Target, or yeah, even in an e-commerce space like Amazon, are designed. But the field and practice of retail design goes beyond, way beyond things like displays of merchandise and architectural lighting, though these things are certainly part of it. Done well, retail design threads together every touch point in a consumer's experience with a brand. That's a big thing. It includes the design of a service, it includes online interactions, and it includes the physical space itself. It focuses on the way it makes you and me feel. In today's episode of First You Hustle, we are looking up close at how innovators in this space are reimagining how the work of retail design is done, and especially in this sustained pandemic moment, why. Can you just talk a little bit about how you see retail design evolving right now? Yeah, retail is really a relationship. That's really what was born from. That's Ed Hoffman, partner in design and strategy at ASG Shoot Gerdeman, a brand experience company that lives and works at the epicenter of retail in Columbus, Ohio. Retail back when was literally bartering and talking to one another and building a trust level with somebody who made something. I mean, at its rarest form, rawest form, that's what it is, right? And over the years, that's changed, obviously, as we scale and have done things globally. But that idea of creating something authentic, building a trust level, having a dialogue, those are all things that are absolutely key. And what I think has happened is we've obviously lost track of that as we've become more globalized and things have become more about scale and speed and cost and what have you. 
And where I am right now with retail design, with what I do for a living, is to recreate that sense of relationship. You can hear it already, right? Experts in the field of retail design like Ed, who is also the chair of CCAD's advisory board for the new Master of Professional Studies in Retail Design, or what we call MPS for short, begin not with the building or the app, but with the relationship between the customer and the brand. And you start there. So you really start with the brand as an idea. Uh, The brand is that culture. I think that's where we always start in any of the work I've done. From that, how do you then embody trust and dignity and authenticity inside of an environment, whether it's digital or it's physical? That's where it starts. The selling piece is a souvenir. That's not what's driving it. Although most places today, that's of course what is driving it. But if you really want to be good at it or if you really want to manipulate it in a good way, it has to be treated like a souvenir. Can you tell me more about what you mean when you say trust and dignity inside of a retail experience? What does that look like? Yeah, I think we've done this to ourselves largely as well, where we've allowed the lowest common denominators to drive our decision making, whether that be, I want it faster, I want it cheaper, I want more choice. And of course, the world rises up to answer those things, right? So it's a weird self-fulfilling cycle where, in fact, that might not be the best thing for us to be doing as humans with one another, but we want to satisfy that. And people make a lot of money doing that. When you do that, you lose that sense of relationship for sure. You lose that sense of trust really quickly. You lose that sense of authenticity immediately. There are certainly people doing it well, and those that are surviving and thriving and leading, those brands that probably pop to your head that are doing it well, I think they know that. Let's pause there for a moment. Which brands are coming into your mind? In my role launching this new graduate degree at CCAD, I've had the opportunity to talk to lots of folks in the field about examples of great retail design. I'm fascinated by the brands that get mentioned a lot, brands whose identities are legible in-store, online, in the product, and that make the customer feel some type of way. Nike, Timberland, Apple. Sometimes folks in the field named high-end brands that I've never interacted with and that don't feel all that welcoming to me, honestly. Coach, for example, or Tiffany. If we go back to Ed's observation... And those that are surviving and thriving and leading, those brands that probably pop to your head that are doing it well. The brand that I'm thinking about is Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. It all lives in that word, splendid. Delightful and sumptuous, with an emphasis on quality for sure, but tinged with humble hospitality and warmth and a focus on company, as in a gathering of people. And as the customer, I get to be included in that. But whatever brand you're thinking about, hold it in your head throughout this episode. And the really good ones are doing it truly authentically versus say, those that are at least putting a good coat on that looks like they're doing it well. And then there's those that, you know, they're authentic in being inauthentic nearly, and they can kind of get away with it, right? You can put any of a number of big ideas inside of that lens and see where it comes out, right? You could put Amazon inside of that and probably have a really good debatable argument about it because there's a lot that's perhaps really good about it, and there's perhaps a lot that's really bad about it through that same lens. I think bringing those pieces inside of your work process for us as like designers, for people who have to craft something, how we have to take a story, and a brand is a really well-told story, and it's a personification of a company, and how do you then bring that into an environment nearly subconsciously? Can you give me an example of doing that work, of bringing the story of a brand 
into into the subconscious experience? You know, one of the great tests of that is if you have a brand and if you need the sign above the door, you've got a problem. Mm -hmm. You should be able to look either through the door, the storefront, the window, even digitally through a portal. And I think about location, like a lot of my colleagues, as being just that. It could be a digital location, it could be a physical location, but if you have to yell your name, you've got a problem. Rachel Friedman, founder and CEO at Tenfold, would absolutely agree with that assessment. A brand and its culture must be legible, even if you cover up the door. Figuring out how to do that, that's the tricky bit, and that's where her firm comes in. So Tenfold is a company that I started in 2014. We like to say that we help to build brands through culture. We believe that a company, an organization, what really makes them special, their secret sauce, is their culture. So what happens on the inside. So we leverage that as a source of competitive advantage to help them win. And we activate what makes them special through all different channels of communication. One of our primary channels is the built environment. Um, specifically corporate workplace, where we leverage the space as a medium to communicate. So literally the walls, sometimes the floor, sometimes the ceiling. We leverage a company's investment in their real estate to work harder for them, to tell their brand and culture story, um, vision, values, history, miss- mission, products and services. We, we work with them to identify what exactly um, is that story and how do we want that story to unfold for people that are moving through the space. We also have been activating in the virtual workplace, which is something that's become more important <laughs> lately than ever. Um, so we see that that's a real opportunity for companies to connect with their employees and create a really consistent employee experience as people move between those two environments with all kinds of hybrid and flexible workplace strategies. At Tenfold, we're really seeking to educate, to inform, to inspire, and ultimately creating this emotional connection for people. Every company is a little different. Every company truly has its own DNA. These organizations are like human beings. They have a personality. Uh, They have their strengths. They have their weaknesses. Um, And so what we're able to do is go in and uncover through research what makes these companies really special. We're able to name that secret sauce so that leaders can manage it. They can protect and reinforce what makes it great. They can embark on a journey of transformation. But our perspective or our philosophy is is that it has to start with the word. It has to start with an articulation that that's what then will move people to action. So Tenfold not only helps brands tell their stories, it helps them uncover them to begin with. This feels a little bit like archaeology to me, piecing together fragments to deduce a whole. Before a retail experience can be designed well, before it can get to the place where, as Ed said, we can cover up the sign and still know exactly who they are, a brand needs to know all of this about itself. How exactly does Tenfold help? I mean, we have a methodology that we leverage, so we have a discover phase that includes a visioning process. We also do a lot of our own discovery into these brands that could be digging through their press releases. It could be digging through collateral. um, It could be through articles and interviews or podcasts. You know, we'll look for inspiration in all these different places. 
in our vision session, we're also engaging with their team to facilitate um, a brainstorming. We talk about goals and objectives. We talk about themes and messaging, target audiences. So like, who is it that we're really trying to connect with? If we're doing a deep dive into culture, we also do qualitative and quantitative research. So our qualitative research is a lot of one-on-one interviews um, with a subset of the employee population. We use a really unique technique uh, that's rooted in the narrative sciences, uh, a discipline of psychology called narratology, which is the study of how we connect and relate through story. Here's another thread in the field of retail design that fascinates me. It's omnivorous interdisciplinarity. Narratology isn't just for academics, as it was in my past life as a PhD and teacher of writing. Maybe it came out of the work of the Russian formalists, but the work of examining how stories affect human perception, that matters, and it matters a lot in retail design. Um, So we take all of those things, and that sort of, we describe it as defining the banks of the river for our creative. So it doesn't give us the solution, but it gives us the idea of where we can swim, both visually and thematically in terms of the message. So there is the way a brand understands its story and the ways that story is translated into its environment. As part of that, organizations like Tenfold think about how that environment might be experienced. Here's where Faith Huddleston, Tenfold's Director of Creative Activation and an advisory board member for the MPS and Retail Design at CCAD, comes in. What does it mean to creatively activate? So it really is just a way to design, thinking about the experiences and what kind of experience um, should, should we create based on that culture. That might sound simple, but it's rooted in deep process. And it's a pivot away from thinking about designing in retail as static to interactive. Back to Rachel. Yeah, one of the things I always say too is like, um, and this is really what Faith has brought to our practice, is that we, we were doing a lot of things very visually that when you come into the space, you experience them by seeing them. What we're really leaning into even more so now is um, it's not just what you see, but it's what do you do in the space? How do we really engage with you in a physical way? Um, in an experience where there's a give and take going on. So it isn't just standing back and reading something or seeing something, but we're actually going to create an experience where we're going to engage with the visitor or the employee or the consumer. Why does this matter? Because Tenfold is launching an exciting new brick-and-mortar venture, Ten Space. Every eight weeks, the Ten Space storefront in the short north of Columbus will transform to immerse consumers in a select online brand story. What Tenfold is doing with brands in Tenspace is, at root, experiential retail. So what does experiential design mean, especially in the retail space? What kinds of things are you exploring? So my background is in retail design. 20 years retail design um, and experiences have always sort of been a part of that you know like what does the customer do when they're in the space how do they feel do we need to shift where the display is to make it more you know in their face so they shop more like it's always been around that like the senses and you know sound and touch and, and all of those things but this is like 
creating a completely immersive, multi-sensory experience that is around like social goals and less around sales goals, right? So it's like combining these worlds and creating this just totally different universe of design. <laughs> I refer to it as a little bit art, a little bit media, and a little bit retail. So if you took those three things together and you smash them <laughs> into one, so it's sort of a convergence of all of those things. So it's a little bit art because it's going to feel very much like an art opening. It's, it's a temporary show. It's only going to be around for a couple months. Um, it's going to be very bespoke and very creative and very custom and unique to that brand. So that's sort of the art piece of it. And you can appreciate some of the things that we're creating in the space as art and could actually live on after the show as art. And some of the pieces might, and, and you'll get a glimpse of that when we open. Um, it's a little bit media because we're gonna have large LED displays in the space. We're gonna have the capability to record podcasts like this in the space. We want to do that. We want it to be a place where people live stream. We want it to be a place where people come and they are capturing content to share to their own social channels. So we're looking at this as a media platform as much as anything else. Um, and then it's a little bit retail because we will actually have merchandise there, an assortment of merchandise that you can purchase. It's a unique experience. And I think really what's going to be really fascinating to see is we know that it's going to have a great value prop for consumers sort of feet on the street and for the brand. But I really think uh, the super secret of all of this is that um, it's going to have an incredible social media impact. And that's, we're creating moments that people want to capture and they want to share. And content's king. And that's what all these brands are looking to, to create is authentic content. Ours is going to be the most authentic social content factory you can imagine. Why authentic? Authentic because they're going to be authentically moved and inspired. It's not that we have to tell people, oh, come over here and take a picture of this. They're going to be compelled to want to do that because it's like, oh, my gosh, that's that's so cool or that's so meaningful or that really strikes a chord with me. And I want to capture that so that I can remember it or I want to capture it because I want to share it with others. Experience is increasingly central to what retail designers are thinking about. Ed Hoffman thinks that this is actually a return to something retail once abandoned. Experience is just acknowledging that we're human, right? And, and you and you're not even aware of it, but we're having it. You know, we're we're complicated animals. You know, we can be simultaneously generous and wonderful and loving to each other while we're literally at the same time being awful and doing things that may not be good for another segment of the population and go on about our lives like that's just fine. It's difficult for us to, I think, reconcile that. It you know those things happen. Probably every great design always had experience at its core. I think what has happened, much like I was describing retail as a relationship, is that we've left that behind through a variety of issues, right? About that speed, about that choice, and all those pieces and how that stuff fits fits in it. So I'll, I'll probably come back to that, where it's about recreating that relationship and remaking what those values are important to us inside of inside of retail and if we can do that the experience again is a souvenir of that so if you start with a person as a consumer being human and they've got dignity and they've got trust and they're smart you get to a very different outcome from a retail environment than you would if you look at them like a 
you know, there's all this data that's available in the world, right? And it segments us by largely income and largely how we shop. And it's incredibly, you know, it's anonymized and it is what it is. But I think a lot of companies take that data as like gospel and then they create ideas around it. And all that's doing is turning us into a commodity, right? So how many how many experiences you've had in whatever environment it is where you're literally you're literally treated like almost poorly and frankly outright poorly and on banks and credit agencies I'm talking to you right where you're the commodity you're clearly so much like the annoying thing in the way because you're human and if you just get out of our way and just be the number you know and just do what you're supposed to do and spend the money you're supposed to spend it'd be so much easier on us like the, the entire experience is felt that way like how many banking apps as convenient as they try to make them is it difficult to find one transaction shouldn't I just be able to go to a phone and type in <laughs> the place I went you and should. it should pop up 300 times I was there, whatever, in the last 10 years, easily. No, no, it's deliberately done so that you can't do that because that would be, that would change us from the commodity. That would give us more choice, I think. Now, I'm not saying they're negative or they're trying to do it to get us, but I think the business model that it's built on is built on that aspect. It's not built on a place of client, customer first, based in authenticity, based in dignity, based in treating us, you know, as well as we can all be treated. Then my next question, I think, off of that, thinking about that that question of dignity again, which, by the way, I don't think, before I got up close to retail, getting to work on this program, I never assumed that a sort of high-level designer like you are in the field of retail would be thinking very hard about dignity. I just wouldn't. So I just love this sort of window into what's going on. But I'm wondering if we can sort of stretch that a little bit and think about what it might mean for a brand to design for things like hospitality and accessibility in the retail experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it gets to be a very simple equation because if you start with those values, how are those values best articulated right now? And it's typically through hospitality, right? Like some of the best experience that is offered inside of that space is certainly inside of hotels, you know, good hotels, certainly inside of food, great food, right? The restaurants and hotel business, maybe not the business, but let's say the services and the experiences you can have inside of those spaces are, I think, often leaps and bounds ahead of retail, or they get to it faster. Like, I've been inspired by being inside of so many more restaurants than I have been inside of retail environments. And guess what? It's the same part of the brain, by the way. Like when we shop, we're not using our conscious mind. Yes, of course, you know, you got to get a size. You want a pair of pants. You got to do that. But the decision making that follows it is largely on a different side of our brain. It's incredibly emotion based. It's the same thing around like dating apps. You make a decision around you know a profile on dating you know the logical part of your brain that's answering those questionnaires is not the part that creates attraction the part that creates attraction is entirely nearly out of your control although of course it's in your control but it's largely inside the subconscious i think there's like this incredible opportunity for hospitality to become a route for retail and in fact it's already happening if you look at the majority of the really successful players right now they're doing that right you can pick almost any of them and the way they're articulating what they're doing has a lot, generally is rooted in residential themes and ideas, residential scale, the idea that there is a you know breathing point inside of an environment. The rooms feel different from one room to another, just like your dining room feels different from your kitchen, you know, which feels different from the bedroom. 
all that matters. And that's a lot of my sort of classic training, I'll call it, inside of retail that I've had from some very big players in the, in, in, as mentors, and I, and I appreciate them. And I think those things hold true. Because again, it's going back to us starting as humans. And a human would not walk into a 30,000 square foot box that's literally a grid of fluorescent lights and call that comfortable. Now, we do it because there's a lot of choice, it costs less, and it's right there. You know, But I think if you asked any of us, would you prefer a different experience? We probably would. Now, the trick is, is can you align up that with the amount of money and cost and all the other issues that are around that to, to articulate it, right? And the, those players that are best at that can do both, where they can elevate the, the environment and the experience and yet still, and still sell in a much more wide choice. It's available now, you know, all the things that you might call mass market, but I'm trying not to use that term mass because it's not. It, it becomes all of us, right? Mass implies, oh, there's a piece of the population that can only afford so much. So therefore, I'm going to satisfy them with a, with this device, this store, this idea. It should be the reverse of that. It should be everybody's dignity, everybody's trustworthy, everybody's smart. Okay. So thinking about the customer as a person, not a data point, as a guest, not a mark, is embedded in the strategy of great retail design grounded in experience. And that experience has to make room for rest, not just persuasion. You said something earlier, you talked about the breathing space. What is that in a building or a space? Well, like in a retail environment, you know, having a moment that much like you go to somebody's home for like a cocktail party and you can tell people who are like just great at homing, right? Or they've, they've or, or some houses do this already where there's just, it just feels like you've landed. You know, you walk in and you feel like, boy, I feel comfortable. And it doesn't necessarily mean you've landed in the living room, you've landed in the kitchen, whatever. It could be in a funny nook in the hallway. It's just a feeling that you've got because you can reflect on it for a minute. Or like in a movie, there might be a fast action scene or something like that. And there's a moment where there's a pause, whether it's literally a slow motion thing that slows it down or literally the camera just holds for a fourth of a second longer. And all of a sudden that puts an iconic moment there in your subconscious or for those of us that are movie crazy, which I can be, you go, okay, that's an important moment, you know, and you can read the director, you can read the story through that very little moment. That's what I mean. It's like, how do you create those inside of an environment, particularly a retail environment where you can reflect on it and say, yeah, this is, this is actually really interesting. Again, we're not creating the experience, we're enabling it by, you know, by having these devices in place and how that stuff fits. The trick with that is a lot of people would look at that and say, yeah, that's literally $80,000 worth of CapEx that's going into that one spot in the store and I don't need it. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't need it. But guess what? There's an aura that gets generated from that device that makes people feel like something or it tells the story or whatever it does. And if you don't have it, yeah, you can save yourself, you know, a dollar down until you're making nothing, right? But if you do have it and all of a sudden you're elevating the idea of the story and the experience behind it, you'll go a lot farther. Back to Rachel and Faith and their plans with Tenspace. You'll hear some critiques of the field and goals for its future that resonate with what Ed has been naming. So we, we visited spaces that curate direct-to-consumer online brands in one location. And there are some concepts like that, but what we were disappointed in, I guess, and hoping to maybe see was a very emotionally connected story that would go with those brands. They feel a little department store-like and they sort of allocate a particular area to a brand. Maybe it's a six by six area or maybe it's bigger or smaller, but in any of those scenarios, it was really just a display of the merchandise for the most part. 
and we didn't really learn anything about who these brands were, what inspired them. A lot of them have amazingly um, you know, interesting founder stories, their journeys. They're extraordinary people, and none of that comes through. Even some of the product was um, designed to be sustainable or upcycled or, um, you know, th there was a mother-daughter team that we ended up like, but we had to dig into it to get down to that level of, of meaningfulness, whereas that's where we start at 10 Spaces. We want to bring all of those stories to life through creative expression, through experiential design, where we're engaging with people so that they leave feeling more inspired than when they arrived. And so it sounds like some of this work is what's driving you towards the, the 10 Space approach. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the goals and what that's going to look like? Yeah, so um, just a little inspiration around 10 Space. 10 Space is sort of tenfold step into the retail retail environment, the retail space, because we really, it's not a place where we've, where we've played intentionally. So I, when I started Tenfold, I had 22 years of experience in corporate workplace. That was the environment that I knew and understood really well and felt really confident in. And I also felt it was an underserved environment for the type of work that we were doing. So to me, it was a great strategy because we didn't have a lot of competition. Um, you know, we were bringing something really new to that space. So intentionally sort of stayed away from retail, but over the years, you know, we had a, you know, I had a friend come to me and say, oh, you know, would you do our retail space? We, we did a project here or there. Um, but over the last few years, what 10 Space grew out of was a curiosity that I had for what was sort of quote unquote wrong with retail. So like, why was retail struggling specifically brick and mortar? And how could we approach that experience to make it a much more inspired experience and so the only way I would really know how to do that is to do it in the way that Tenfold would do it which is to celebrate the brand's purpose their intention their founder's story their brand and culture story so really pulling on the same inspiration that we pull on to um, create those emotional connections for employees are the same things that we're going to pull on to create an emotional connection for consumers. It's a very similar approach in a completely different environment. And so what we're hoping for 10 Space is that it, it exists as a space that brings, in particular, direct-to-consumer online brands to life by telling their story in different ways um, because they don't have a brick and mortar because we don't really know about them and they sort of fill our social feeds, but we're curious, maybe we wanna buy, but maybe we don't. We just wanna know a little bit more about them, wanna get a little more intimate with who they are. Um, and we wanna to touch and feel the merchandise. It's, it sort of solves for what I would wanna solve for as a consumer. And it's also a playground for Tenfold. As part of that playground, 10 Space's first featured brand is a sports apparel company called Rudis. Rudis started as a wrestling brand, and what they have done is really built a following with that specific core audience. But what they're finding and what we see in them as well is that the mindset of the wrestler is something that transcends the sport and is something that can, we can all relate to and inspires the champion in all of us. So the grit, the perseverance, the determination, the focus, the challenges, um, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time talking with the CEO of Rudis and 
it's like, you know, how, how they learn from the losses more than the, the wins and how devastating that can be mentally, but how they persevere and they push through. So really inspiring brand. They're one of the fastest growing online brands in the country. So they're on the DTC Power 500 list. Um, so that was another really cool piece of criteria for us. And they're also trailblazers. They're doing really unique and pioneering things. And those are sort of the things that we look for, an inspiring founder story, trailblazing, fast growing, rising. They have four sponsored athletes in the Olympics and they are coming home with three medalists. And we're gonna have those Olympians in our space um, physically. We'll have, that'll be one of the events that, that we've been planning. Um, one one gold uh, to Mira Mensah-Stock, who is um, the first African-American woman to win a, a wrestling gold medal. Super cool. With that dream of finally standing atop the podium at the Olympics, it is here. Tamira Mensah-Stock of the United States has won an Olympic gold medal. Kyle Snyder, who won silver, and then Sarah Hildebrandt, who won, won bronze. So we'll actually have one of each which will be so fun, I think. I mean, I'm dying to just see the medals. I think it'll be super cool. Um, and we're going to be looking at a wide variety of brands across all categories. So we hope we'll have sports and or we'll have apparel, we'll have home, we'll have food and beverage, we'll have health and beauty. Uh, we might even have a media company that has merchandise. So we're looking across to make it a really diverse experience, but our consumers, our 10 space consumers, should know that they can always count on it being a really interesting story. Um, really extraordinary product and a really inspiring experience. So 10 Space is an ever-evolving venue that will host these brands, transforming between them to capture their culture and their stories. But don't call it a pop-up. Pop-up's kind of a bad word around here. Uh-huh. Yeah, tell me why, tell me why. Yeah. Such a, a, good, a very intuitive question. <laughs> Thank you. The quality of what we're doing is not the same as the quality of a pop-up. A pop-up is super temporary. The longevity of our show, it's a bit longer than a typical pop-up. So in a lot of ways, it's its not the same. Again, I've, I've visited a lot of pop-ups. And to me, those still also fell in that category of being uninspiring. So what I observed is there's some fixtures. They're pretty neutral. There's some merchandise out. And really, the pop-up is all about, you know, getting your eyes on the merchandise. But other than that, I really felt like it wasn't a great experience. So... We're, to, to Faith's point, ours is much more elevated. There's many, many, many more layers to it. It's going to be much more meaningful, and it's going to feel like a permanent store. We've designed some really cool flexibility into the infrastructure of our store design that will allow us to turn it quickly and to do some really you know, unique things. But you wouldn't know that walking in. You're going to walk in and feel like, wow, this is a store store. Like, this is for real. Retail design isn't a field with a clear and singular career trajectory. Folks who are doing the work come from backgrounds in architecture and UX and merchandising and interior design and advertising and fashion and industrial design and even theatrical design. This is certainly true at Tenfold, which allows those backgrounds to work together in harmony to make great things happen. The good news is I think we have a confluence of a lot of different ideas coming together in this day and age, particularly after a pandemic, which I think has made everybody stop and look and say, damn, everything's just got to be better, particularly inside of retail, really any category. Any level of business right now has to be the best it can be and the most authentic version of itself that it can be, because how else do you motivate 
all of us as consumers, humans, peoples to, to engage. How do you? And usually that's connected to a symbiotic experience. So what I'm hoping Tenspace will do, and it sounds like they're on the road to doing that, is how do you create a symphony of experiences or a symphony of ideas together? That symphony of ideas together is exactly what the new MPS in retail design at CCAD is seeking, if we extend Ed's metaphor, to conduct. Folks from that wide variety of backgrounds will come together to spend a year or two immersed in an interdisciplinary examination of things like the tools of cognitive science and the uses of data analytics, as well as an understanding of how a service can be designed or how a variety of storytelling modes can be deployed physically. And we can't wait to see what kind of music they make as retail designers on the other side. That is Dr. Jen Schleter, Dean of Graduate Studies at CCAD. Thank you, Dr. Schleter, for taking the reins. And a special thanks to Rachel Friedman, Faith Huddleston, and Ed Hoffman for participating. If you're interested in learning more, make sure you follow Tenspace at Tenspace on Instagram or Tenspace Brand on Twitter and Facebook, and you'll be the first to know about what they have in store next. For more information on the Master of Professional Studies in Retail Design degree program, you can follow at CCAD Grad Studies on Instagram or go to ccad.edu to learn more about the program, including how to apply if you're interested. That's our program for today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>